everybody. Welcome to another episode of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, as usual, Jeff. Joining me from the co-pilot seat is a healthier and uh, otherwise bearded uh, co-host, as usual. It's Mark A. Johnson. Mark, how you doing today? Oh, man, I'm doing so much better, Jeff. I uh, am back in, in my quarantine, but not because I have to, because I'm recording the show. Your wife probably appreciates you being quarantined again. She had a little vacation, but now you're back. Yeah, I, I felt bad for her not having my presence 24-7, you know? <laughs> poor woman. Yeah, poor thing. All right, well, we've got a ton of stuff to talk about this week. I've got a ton of stuff here for BP. We've got a kind of an interactive story today that I hope will be fun. And then, of course, we've got Wax Packs Heroes at the end, which is always a thing. So let's just get right into it. Mark, I wanted to, and I'll, I'll put this guy's uh, Twitter handle and a link in the show notes, but I follow somebody on Twitter. His name is Darren Willman, and he does some really interesting visualizations uh, in terms of taking data and making interactive, not really interactive, but, but dynamic graphs to show you how different things are represented. And he happens to be a baseball fan. So he did this really cool one with uh, regards to just how hard baseball is. So in the history of baseball, there have been 9,914 position players. The other 11,000-ish are all uh, pitchers. But uh, of those, you know, almost 10,000 people, what percentage do you think of those have at least a thousand career hits? Man, I, I would be throwing out a ridiculous guess. 34. 34. 13.1% have more than a thousand hits career wise. Then oh, okay. let's jump up to 2000 hits of those 9,900 players, position players. How many do you think have 2000 hits? Uh, I will say six. 2.77% have more than 2,000 wow. hits. So then if you get up to 3,000 hits, which that is like the marker, you're going into the Hall of Fame regardless of who you are unless you're Pete Rose. How many of those 9,900 players have more than 3,000 career hits? I'm going to guess 0.5. Even lower, 0.32. Oh, wow. And then, then <laughs> if you get up to how many have more than 4,000 hits? Yeah, I imagine that's pretty low. <laughs> 0.02. <laughs> and then, of course, you've got Pete Rose with 4,256. Um, right. He's the anomaly. Yeah, that's just, just incredible how hard baseball is. Was I think it was Ted Williams that said how hard it is to hit a Round ball with a round bat squarely. Yes. That was pretty cool. Uh, I wanted to mention, we've, I've, I've retweeted them uh, a couple of times on our, uh, on our Twitter feed. I want to talk about another, another podcast because they brought us up. I want to talk about Romantic About Baseball, which is a, a great podcast. Uh, like I said, I've, I've retweeted a couple of their episodes that, we, that uh, I have enjoyed and I wanted to give a shout out to Adam and Jim, the, the host, the co-host of that show, because last week on their show, they dedicated an entire podcast to playing their own version of Wax Packs Heroes. 
which that is awesome. It was it was very cool. I really enjoyed it. They did not get the greatest packs. I'm going to throw it out there, but uh, <laughs> I really enjoyed being able to listen to a version of the game that I did not have to produce or uh, add up war and all that kind of stuff. But uh, we really appreciate it. That was really cool. They had their own rules. They they differentiated a little bit. They didn't use war. They used hits for batters and uh, strikeouts for pitchers. They gave extra points if the player became a manager, and they did some things like that. They did some, you know, if the first and last name of the players, if the player's first and last name started with the same letter, they got extra points too. So they they took our game and kind of put a fresh spin on it, and it was really fun to, to listen to. So we appreciate that, and uh, who knows, maybe we can... Maybe we can do something with them like we did with uh, the Baseball Beyond Batting Average podcast. And, and well, I would I would enjoy that. that that's uh, appreciate you guys um, flattering us by playing our little game. Yeah, I'm thinking we should license it out. You know, <laughs> just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, make a little money on that. But uh, that got I'm me thinking to think- of before the sharks. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, uh, that got me to thinking, and and I was tweeting, well, not tweeting, I was texting with you earlier today about this, about what is the most wax pack hero-ish baseball card ever created? So, you know, we've got a bunch of additional things that you can add or subtract in wax packs heroes. If you've got a mustache, if you've got glasses or a sweatband with your your caricature or or real stirrups, all that stuff, you get extra points. Trying to figure out what the most additional scoring card would be and i think i i think i got it i and i'll post it on social media but mark you had some you had some doubts about the 1993 tops tony gwen card i i i did a little bit although it is a very good waxbacks heroes card yeah so let me explain let me describe it to you it is tony gwen he's just hit a put a ball in play he has got glasses on. He's got sunglasses on. He's got a mustache. He's got two sweatbands on with his caricature and what I believe to be real stirrups on. Now, you question the stirrups, but it looks like they get wider at the top, which does not happen with the two-in-ones. I can't tell for sure. It looked to me like there was white between um, bottom of the stirrup and, uh, and the shoe. Yeah, well, there is a white band. He's wearing Nike shoes, because trust me, I'm, I am very well versed at, at this. <laughs> uh, he's, th- those shoes have a white band between the black shoe and, and so forth. So you've got to look at that. I, maybe we'll have to put a poll up and see what people think. I think those are real stirrups. Well, maybe we'll have to take a vote. But also, let's not forget, he's a Hall of Famer. So he's That's ticked right. just, I think he's ticked every positive box there is in Wax Packs Heroes. He's got uh, the wristbands on. Yeah, he's got two of them. I, I originally looked at Barry Bonds' cards because he, likewise, would wear two sweatbands with characters. He's got flip-ups in some. He's always got a mustache. But he's not a Hall of Famer, so he loses out on yep. that. I think this could be the most wax packs hero-ish of all cards ever <laughs> we'll see maybe maybe a listener can come up with something better maybe if someone had two mustaches or <laughs> you know i don't know one above and one below we count a unibrow as a mustache get a point for that uh and now, 
maybe if they wore prescription glasses, but they also had flip downs that they could pull down over them. I don't know if those are yeah. anything. All right, I'll I'll throw that up there. If somebody, if the listeners got a better, more valuable wax packs card than that, let us know, and we'll see. We'll see what comes of that. Uh, I also wanted to mention something about the Hall of Fame. We were talking about Tony Gwen. I mentioned to you, I think I might have retweeted it as well a week or so ago, that the Hall of Fame has a virtual collection on the internet where every artifact that they have in Cooperstown, you can see a very, very high quality picture of it on the internet, on their on their website. And often they have 3D views and multiple angles and stuff like this. So what they were doing, because they're their doors have been closed for a while, is they were allowing people to sponsor individual pages of some of these different artifacts. And I think it's only $5 for a year. So I will throw the links in the show note, but if you happen to go to the uh, Ricky Henderson section and you happen to look at the uh, either the pair of batting gloves that Ricky was wearing when he stole his 939th base or the pair of shoes that he was wearing in 1980 when he set the single season stolen base record, you will see that those two pages are sponsored by none other than Two Strike Noise, which I'm very It's a proud about. day. Yes. It's, it's <laughs> proud. Uh, we're very proud to uh, sponsor him. Uh, probably would never have made the Hall of Fame without us. Yeah. Now, I'm assuming they're just going to send these articles to me after the year is up as the oh, sure. owner of them now. So that'll be cool. I'll try and get those autographed. <laughs> I assume they're still doing this. So if you wanted to go, you know, sponsor a Nolan Ryan page, maybe take a look. Uh, take That's a look pretty fun. Yeah, it's really cool. I've spent a lot of time just looking at artifacts in there, which is very awesome. Uh, all right, trivia question. I told you last week I, I gave you an easy one. I knew we would get responses. We got many responses most people ended up getting it eventually. Uh, there were a couple of base, you know, answers that would have come to your mind right right away. The question was, who was the last person ejected from both games of a doubleheader? And I said person because I was, it's a manager. I'm just going to throw it out there. And uh, Mark, did you, were you able to come up with a, a good guess in this past week? Not really, no, but... Uh... I did. I had a guess, but I don't think it was right. So I'm. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna listen. Okay. Today's my day to just oh. listen to the answer. Well, there's three <laughs> people that should immediately come to mind. That would be Billy Martin, Earl Weaver, Bobby Cox. Those are your three right. managers. That if if somebody's gonna get run, one of the three of those is probably gonna be involved. And it was. It was Earl Weaver. He was the last person ejected from both games of a doubleheader. That was in uh, on September 29th, 1985. Now, the last player ejected from both games of a doubleheader was Enos Cabell. And he did that in 1982. I vaguely I remember, remember Enos Cabell. He was an Astro at one he was, point. He was an Astro, yeah. First player to ever be ejected from both games was Jesse Burkett. He was a member of our favorite team, the Cleveland Spiders of 1897. Not not the 1899 team, but 1897. He was the first player ejected from both games. All right, I got well, another. Good for him. Yeah, I guess. Congrats. You know, it's good to get that all out of your system while you can. 
You got you're worked up. You got to get out of your system. Get tossed twice in one game, and then you don't have to worry about the next day because you'll be nice and calm for letting all of your emotions out and blowing out steam. Yeah, and everybody else is tired the next day because they had to play two games in one day, and you're rested, ready to go. Yeah. All right, there next go. question here. This is not a tough one either. It's a little bit harder. I'm I, I'm thinking that people should be able to get this one. Name the player who was the last to wear number 42 for three separate teams after it was retired oh, wow. league-wide. So, of course, 42 was retired across Major League Baseball in honor of Jackie Robinson. But any player that was currently in the big leagues and wearing number 42 was grandfathered in. So Mariano Rivera, that's how he wore number 42 through his entire career. But one player was grandfathered in. And he ended up wearing that for three different teams in which he was the last player to support that number. So who is that player? And can you name the teams that he was playing? No. <laughs> when I tell you the answer, you will go, oh, instead of no. But uh, think about okay. it. I think, I think you can do it. I think you can. All right. All right, Mark. So let's let the grounds crew come out. They can do their thing. They can uh, chalk the, the baseline paint the foul line down the uh, down the uh, the grass there in the left and right field and let us get ready for our main main part of the show here. I've got it's not a quiz, but I've got some things I'm going to play you some audio and we're going to see if you can identify exactly what's going on. Uh, I will okay. give you some clues here. These are going to be home runs. I wanted to talk about home runs today and famous home run calls. So First of all, obviously, there's a lot of real famous Yankee home runs. Too many, as a matter of fact. Sure. And it's the Yankees, so I think we're okay with just mentioning them. So I'm, I'm not included in this quiz. I'm not going to mention Scott Brocious in 2001 World Series Game 5 against the D-backs. We won't mention that one. <laughs> 2003, Aaron Boone walks off the Red Sox. The Yankees end on... End up going to the World Series. Bucky Dent, love Bucky Dent, and his shot over the Green Monster in a one-game playoff in 1978 against the Sox. We're not going to mention Babe Ruth pointing into the Cubs' dugout before hitting one out of Wrigley in the 1932 World Series because uh, I couldn't find the audio of that. Otherwise, I would have included that because he did not call a shot. For the Red Sox, of course, there's Carlton Fisk's 1975 Game 6 home run. But without visuals, it's just a, a fun home run to talk about, but not one that we're going to instantly know from a, a famous call. Uh, and I think David Ortiz had like 23 separate game-winning postseason home runs. So I'm going to skip those. I'm going to work one Yankee home run into this list. Uh, you'll have to pick it out. Also, there's no Mark McGuire, no Sammy Sosa, no Barry Bonds homers on this list. Those guys hit home runs. They happened but this is my list and they're not included. So we're just going to go with famous home run calls that I want to talk about. <laughs> so okay. That's awesome. All right. So I'm going to play you some audio here of this first call. And I think these should be pretty obvious, but it's just a, a good way to get us to be able to talk about some of these games. So here comes our very first home run for you to uh, name that dinger.
So in case you didn't know, the Giants win the pennant with that one, uh, which should probably <laughs> give it away. <laughs> I deduced that. <laughs> All right, name that dinger. That would be Robbie Thompson's shot heard around the world. Bobby Thompson, yes. Robbie Thompson was the second baseman for the Giants in uh, 1988 or 1989. Uh, I thought I said Bobby, sorry. <laughs> no, uh, no, you got it. Yeah, the shot heard round the world. 1951, Bobby Thompson hits a three-run homer to left at the polo grounds uh, off the Dodgers' Ralph Branca. And as I mentioned, the Giants win the pennant. This game was the first ever nationally televised game. What you think if you've never seen a baseball game before and this is the you're living in, you know, Albuquerque or somewhere and this is the first major league game you ever see. You think, my God, <laughs> is this the way every game is? We've talked about the Giants stealing signs during this time. Several Giants admitted to it. Thompson, of course, said, you know what? I was too locked in at that time during that at bat. I didn't hear the buzzing of the phone in the dugout. I don't, I don't believe him at all. Giants went on to lose to the Yankees in six games in the World Series, but I don't know. That could be one of the, if not the most famous home run call in baseball history. Thoughts? I would, I would think so, yeah. I mean, we've we've heard it, you know, since we were little. Um, and because the audio is so unique and so fun, you know, with the, just the Giants won the pennant over and over again, it, it really does embed itself in, in your memory. Yeah, I think that's the first, one of the first baseball things I ever remember was hearing that growing up in the Bay Area. I mean, that's with my Giants fan parents that didn't know what was going on. All right, let's go. Uh, <laughs> let's move on to the next one. So this one has a tie into the show. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and play it and uh, let you uh, name that dinger. So, you know, some of these, some of these are older clips. It's, you can't hear as well, but that was a, uh, a home run to deep left Barra at the wall and it's gone. Pirates win. Can you name that home run? I'm guessing Bill Mazeroski. You got it. Yep. 1960 World Series. And uh, of course, that was off of Ralph Terry of the Yankees, who was one of our guests on the show. The show's favorite person. Yeah. <laughs> you have not. I mean, we have had some great guests. We've really enjoyed talking to, to everybody that's come on this show. But to, to be able to talk to Ralph Terry, who was on some of those great Yankee teams and involved in two of the most incredible World Series Please go back and listen to those shows if you like baseball history, because he was he was just incredible, and uh, we're still giddy when we talk about it. Yeah, he he was amazing. His memory was incredible. He yeah. was he was r rattling off what pitches he threw, you know, sixty years ago. Yeah, like sequences too, or when yeah, uh, when crazy when manager Ralph Houck came out to him in Game Seven of the '62 World Series against McCovey and said, "What do you want to do?" Uh, or no, they asked him, like, what do you want to do, skipping? He goes, I don't know. You, <laughs> I just, I came out here to just see how you guys are doing. You guys do better than I do. That was the 1960 World Series. Game 7, Yankees at Forbes Field against the Bucks. That is still the only World Series Game 7 to end on a walk-off home run. On the show, we've talked about what happened to the ball. 
we, as we said, talked to Ralph Terry about it himself. We've talked about why there is video of that entire baseball game due to Bing Crosby of all yep. people. I think we have covered the hell out of that game, but it really was one of the greatest moments in baseball history. So, yep, Bill Mazeroski and his Game 7 walk-off home run. All right, next one, uh, I'm going to just uh, I'm just going to play it here and uh, see what you come up with. I think the voice will definitely sound familiar, and uh, let's see if you can name that dinger. Here comes Roger Maris. Just standing up, waiting to see if Maris is going to hit number 61. Here's the windup. Fastball hit deep to right. Well, that one should be pretty obvious. Scooter kind of gave it away there. <laughs> he did. He did. I'm pretty confident in this one. <laughs> All right, name that dinger. Well, yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure that was Roger Maris's 61st home run in 1961. There you go. Very nice. Maris sitting on 60 home runs on the final home game of the season, and a whopping 23,000 fans show up. <laughs> It's, you know, it's sad because the fans basically abandoned him. Mar you know, Roger Maris or Mickey Mantle. You kind of had to choose. For some reason, you yeah. had to choose. And, of course, Mickey Mantle is one of the most popular players in the history. Uh, Commissioner Ford Frick said that if he didn't break Ruth's mark before game 154, he was going to make a distinct mark next to the total. Uh, the TV broadcast of this is interesting. One, it just shows how few fans were in the stands, especially during this at bat. But uh, as he circles the bases and comes up to home plate, they just put a small number 61 in the top left corner. I mean, there's not a lot of, <laughs> there's not, a, there's no Chiron or anything at this point. Uh, so it was probably, you know, a, a bit to even get that done. But um, that was Scooter on the call. And I was thinking about uh, Phil Rizzuto had a long career. On the field and in the booth, he was a, a lifer and a, and a Hall of Famer. Mantle, of course, went on to do many TV appearances along with Roger Maris. Billy Crystal made a movie about them. But I think the most impressive pop culture moment from Roger Maris, in my mind, was in 1980 when he appeared on Hee Haw along with Barbara Mandrell and Sonny Curtis. And I do not have audio for yeah. that. <laughs> you, you cannot. Be, I mean, everyone wants to be on Hee Haw. I want to be on Hee Haw. You know, I wonder if he got to do Junior Samples uh, used cars or, or yeah, I'm showing, I'm showing my familiarity with. Yeah, I don't know. I, I the know show. Roy I better Clark knock it off. Had a banjo, and I think that's. And I know who Barbara, Barbara Mandrell, and the Mandrell sisters didn't. They used to have a. They had their own like variety show or something. That's all I know. That one. Okay, yeah, that one was pretty easy. I, I think. I think most of these are pretty easy. Let's uh, let's go on to the next one here. And uh, this is uh, pretty apropos. I, I won't say anything more until after you've heard it and, and take your guess. So here we go with uh, number four, Name That Dinger. He's sitting on 714. Here's the pitch by Downing. Swinging. There's a drive into left center field. That ball is going to be out of here. It's gone. It's 715. There's a new home run champion of all time, and it's Henry Aaron. The fireworks are going. Henry Aaron is coming around third. His teammates are at home. 
crowd. So, again, that one should be pretty easy, but uh, go ahead and name that dinger. I have no idea. That was completely <laughs> confusing. Nah, just kidding. That would be Hammer and Hank Aaron's 715th home run breaking Babe Ruth's 714 record. Yeah, so, of course, you know, Henry Aaron, of course, unfortunately passed away a couple weeks ago. Uh, it was his birthday last week as well. And, uh, yeah, April 8th, 1974. That was uh, Hall of Fame announcer Milo Hamilton on the call. A crowd of more than 53,000 fans watched the hammer take Al Downing deep to break Babe Ruth's record. That's a great moment. And there was an equally famous call of the same play by Dodgers announcer Vin Scully who, of course, waxes beautifully about uh, some of the racial tensions going on and and really does an equally outstanding job as Milo Hamilton uh, there for Hank Aaron, the Hammer. We're, we are pushing for the Hammers to be the uh, new Atlanta team name. I am, I am so all over that. If we could have the Hammers and the Spiders in Major League Baseball, I, I would be very excited. Yes, and you could go, uh-oh, uh-oh, here comes the Hammers. Oh, I know. MC Hammer should just be there at all. Or, you know, he's just Hammer. I forgot. He dropped the MC. But he's an okay. Ace fan. So, yeah, that's not going to work. All right. Next one. Uh, let's move on. This one is a, a very famous. This is this announcer who calls this one will show up again later in our in our quiz here. So go ahead and name that dinger. Second and third one out in the second and didn't score. Smith, Clark's one into right, down the line. It may go. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. It's a home run, and the Cardinals have won the game. So that one I always remember because of the go crazy, folks. Go crazy. Yes. The great yes. Jack Buck. Ah, uh, yes. That was, uh, well, who hit it? Uh, Ozzy Smith off of Tom Needenfury. Very, very nice. 1985 NLCS Game 5, tied in the ninth inning. Tom Needenfury, that's a fun name to say, on the hill for the Dodgers, a lefty. Why is that significant? Because uh, our, our buddy Ozzy Smith never had homered off a left-handed pitcher in his entire career. He, he only had 13 home runs at this point in his entire career, and he's eight years in. Of course, Ozzie Smith, not a power hitter, but uh, he took him deep. Our buddy Steve Sachs made some news in this game as well. After an at-bat, Sachs was walking back into the dugout, and a fan spit water at him, and Sachs had to be held back as he struggled to get into the stands after the fan. I do not remember that. I mean, I, I don't remember this game very much. I remember the call, but I was definitely not watching the game at this point. But I've never seen video of that. Have you ever seen that? Not, not of sacks. No, I have yeah. not. Yeah. The Smith home run, I just remember because, again, just not a power hitter and never hit a never hit a lefty, and he just hit a rocket shot. I mean, it was a line drive out there to right. Bounced back in play off of the one of the, uh, the concrete slabs out there. All right. He was, was definitely the un, most unlikely player to pull that off. And... Yeah. Uh, I remember it was amazing. I, you would expect Willie McGee to go deep before you would Ozzie Smith. 
Yes, absolutely. <laughs> All right, next one. This one's going to hurt a little bit, but uh, here we go. Next one, name that homer. But the game right now is at the plate. High fly ball into right field. She is gone! <sighs> In a year that has been so improbable, the impossible has happened. You know, if it wasn't... If it wasn't Vin Scully on the call, that would be even harder to uh, harder to stomach. But <laughs> yes, he adds a level of professionalism to it. I agree. He is that spoonful of sugar that you take with the medicine. <laughs> uh, just so great. But uh, that one should be a pretty easy one to name. What do you got? I believe that was uh, the '88 World Series when Dennis Eckersley, one of the great closers of all time. Gave up a home run to a very uh, limpy. Hobbled. And hobbling around <laughs> Kurt Gibson, yeah. who hit it out of the park. Yep, World Series 1988, Game 1. The uh, the first walk-off, uh, as such named, by Dennis Eckersley. Uh, it's just, it, <laughs> it cracks me up, because Gibson was not in the dugout the entire game. Even this is game one. So they do, you know, they introduce both teams, the entire roster. They line up down the base paths. Didn't even come out for that. He was so hobbled. He couldn't get out there for the introductions. Vin Scully, the entire game keeps mentioning that there's no way that Gibson can play today. He's not even in the dugout. Gibson hears this on the TV in the clubhouse and he goes into the cages to see if he can get loose and then uh, sends word to, to Tommy that, yep, I'm good to go. And then goes out there and hits it off of the best closer in the game, Hall of Famer Dennis Eckersley. Uh, not a great memory for me. You know, I remember that pitch was not that bad of a pitch. Kurt Gibson just went out and got it. Yeah, so he had to go out there, and he was swinging. You know, no legs, he's just swinging. And yeah. as a as a lefty, he takes it to right field. That's pretty impressive. But all right, let's yeah. move on. I don't I don't want to talk about that anymore. Okay. <laughs> All We're right. done with that. Yeah, Never bring that. it up again. All right. This next one is uh, our second appearance of Jack Buck in this uh, in this rundown. So here we go. Name this dinger. Into deep left center from Mitchell. And we'll see you tomorrow. So that one's a little bit tougher. Uh, the see you tomorrow night is the part I always remember about this. Jack Buck on the call. Any uh, any guesses? Ah oh, man, I'm running it through my head because I know I'm I'm drawing a blank on it, but I know it. I'll, See I'll you tomorrow night. Was it was it Kirby Puckett? There you go. Very nice pull. Game six, 1991 World Series. The Twins down three games to two versus Atlanta. The game in extra innings in the eleventh inning. Charlie Liebrandt comes in to start the bottom of the eleventh. Puckett is leading off, and he takes the fourth pitch that Lee Brandt threw deep to left center field over the plexiglass out there. Do you remember the plexiglass? Yes, the, the plexiglass ran on from the baggie. Yeah, <laughs> that that is the plexiglass and the baggie. They they took the plexiglass down later, so it was real. Yes. You know that wall was like four feet tall. <laughs> Like, yeah. it was so, but that allowed Puckett to go back there and rob a lot of home runs. But yep, 
there it is. The uh, we'll see you tomorrow night, which is always what I remember. That was uh, that was my freshman year in college, and I remember us huddled around a very small TV in uh, in a dorm room watching that, and then somebody pulled the fire alarm. So we turned the TV and put it uh, against the window. We were on the second floor and then went out and stared at it through the window outside while we waited for the fire department to tell us that it was just a frat hazing people and making us go outside. <laughs> All right, two more. This next one also happened when I was in college, and uh, my roommate threw his shoe at the TV when it happened. So <laughs> I will uh, I will refrain on uh, any further information until uh, we hear this clip on Name That Dinger. Joe has had his moments. Two balls and two strikes on it. Here's the pitch on the way. A swing and a belt. Left field. Way back. Blue Jays win it. The Blue Jays are World Series champions. As Joe Carter hits a three-run home run in the ninth inning. And the Blue Jays have repeated as World Series champions. Touch them all, Joe. You'll never hit a bigger home run in your life. So, again, you know, these pretty much give away what they are, but... <laughs> yes. That somebody you... named Joe. Yeah, someone <laughs> named Joe. <laughs> what uh, What do you got? Joe Carter, 93 World Series. It was either game five or six. Absolutely. 93, um, game six World Series. The first player since Bill Mazeroski to end a World Series on a walk-off. But, of course, Maz's was in a game seven. Mitch Williams came in to pitch the bottom of the ninth. The Phillies were up 6-5, but trailing three games to two. He starts off the inning by walking the spark plug, the igniter, Ricky Anderson. Williams then, you know, definitely distracted by Ricky over there at first, tried uh, to pitch with a slide step. Well, Williams had never used the slide step delivery in his entire career, so he thought the bottom of the ninth inning in the World Series would be a good time to give it a go. It's a good time to bust out a, a new thing. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it uh, it did not work. He could not locate. He lost some off his fastball. Uh, Devo was up second. He flew out. And then Paul Molitor came up and singled. That moved Ricky to second. And then Joe Carter came up and with a 2-2 count, hit that three-run bomb to win the game and the second World Series for the Blue Jays in as many years. So... This one was a tough one for me because, you know, not a huge Blue Jays fan at that point. I, I appreciate them now much more. But Ricky was on the team. And so yeah. I was obviously rooting for them. Uh, so sure. it's just like when Ricky was on the Angels or the Mariners. I'm very conflicted because I can't root for them. But Ricky's there. Yeah, that's a tough one, man. That was a wild series, though. What was the... One game, I think it was game four or something, it was like 14 to 13 was the final score. Just some crazy, yeah. crazy games. Some weird stuff happened in that series. It was, uh, it was fun. I remember, I remember it pretty well because I remember where I was when Carter hit that home run. I was at this bar that features like 50 different types of beer. And at the time, uh, I didn't drink beer, so it was kind of a waste. But I got to see the home run. <laughs> Yeah, like I said, my my roommate at college was definitely rooting against the uh, the Blue Jays more than for the Phillies, but uh, he threw his shoe at the TV. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. All right, I got one more for you. Now, this one is not so much a 
famous home run as it is one of just the greatest moments in baseball history, I'm going to say it. So uh, let's go ahead. This is your final, uh, your final homer on Name That Dinger. Cologne looking for his first hit of the year. Oh. He drives one. Deep left field. That goes up to him. Back near the wall. It's out of here. Bartolo has done it. The impossible has happened. The team vacates the dugout as Bartolo takes the long trot. His first career home run. And there will be nobody in the dugout to greet him. This is one of the great moments in the history of baseball. Bartolo Colon has gone deep. I want to say that was one of the longest home run trots I've ever seen, but I think that's how fast he runs. <laughs> so, <laughs> see, they said it too. One of the greatest moments in baseball history. <laughs> I don't remember how, how many years had Bartolo Colon played without hitting a home run. Uh, his entire career. <laughs> let's, uh, yes. Let's uh, well, like a twenty-year career. Uh, well, yeah, and he was signed to play in the Mexico Mexican League last year, but of course that was wiped out. So Bartolo played in the big leagues for twenty-one years. I don't remember. Uh, let's see, what year was this home run? This home run was in uh, twenty sixteen. So he was forty-three at that time, and. <laughs> That would have been wow. his seventeenth uh, season in the big leagues. So, wow! Yeah, Bartolo. Let's see. His career lifetime average is 084. His slugging is a uh, 107. So that mm-hmm. home run definitely, definitely helped him out. The home run took him to triple digits. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I mean, that was just such a that that clip brings a, a smile to my face every time. At age 42, Cologne becomes the oldest major league player to hit his first home run. And it doesn't matter. Like I said, I see it. I smile every time. I think he takes longer than David Ortiz to get around the bases. Uh, as you could kind of hear in that clip, the entire Mets dugout, this was at Petco Park, the entire Mets dugout went down the hall. They, you know, did one of our favorite uh, favorite tricks where they, they leave the dugout. So when Bartolo finally gets there, the dugout is empty, and then they all come in and pile on him. <laughs> but what makes it so great is there are so many videos and pictures of him flailing at the plate before. You know, there's because he's a big guy, too. There's, you know, one video where he swung so hard and missed, and he, you know, basically twirls around, and his batting helmet comes off. And it just uh, it, it is... Just great to see how happy he and everybody else was for that home run. So, so you're saying Bartolo Colon um, had no idea, but he swung, closed his eyes, and swung as hard as he could, and he hit it out of the in park. Case, yeah, in case you hit it, he, and it, it it worked out that way. He was, by the way, the last active Montreal Expo to play in Major League oh. Baseball. So maybe I, he's still working out. He still posts videos of him working out on social media. Maybe somebody will no take a fire on him. Yeah, maybe. Hmm. All right. Well, that was, uh, I thought that was fun just to kind of go through some some of the great home runs that have been hit uh, and hear some of the calls. Remember some of those. Hopefully everybody enjoyed that. Mark, I'd say you did exceptionally well on those. Congratulations. Handshakes. And, I uh, got lucky. Sizes. You got lucky. Yeah, I got lucky. 
<laughs> All right. Well, uh, you know what this leads us to, Mark? This leads us to something we've talked about earlier in the podcast. This is going to take us into uh, Wax Packs Heroes. Gotta pull the Wax Pack Heroes. I'm on a I'm on a little bit of a run, at least one. Uh, we had a very mm-hmm. exciting match last week, where uh, I I got some late some late help and managed to come up with a win that uh, pulls my win total to eight. You are ahead with eleven, so you're still uh, a ways away. But uh, we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna jump in another episode here today. I have got some uh, 1992 score. To, to go with here. I'm, I'm excited. We haven't opened any score since we've switched to the war uh, scoring system, which should be good because these cards just aren't, frankly, worth anything unless right. uh, they're upper deck. So this should, should help us out a little bit more. I've got two packs of 1992 score here. One has a Chicago Cub on it, and the other has a New York Yankee on it. So I'm going to guess that's going to help you choose which one you would like to open. Well, we'll go with the Cubs. That's what I thought. (laughs) All right, so uh, I'm going to have you go first. Let's run down the rules really quick in case this is your first time. We're going to go ahead and we're going to use Baseball Reference War for the season of the card we are looking at, which is 1992 in this case. If you are sporting a mustache, you're going to get an extra tenth of a point of war. If it is something that would make Raleigh Fingers or Tom Selleck go, hey, that's a nice mustache, you're going to get an even extra. So it'll be two-tenths of a uh, point of war if you are wearing glasses of any sort those big science teacher sunglasses or glasses uh, flip downs anything like that oakley's you're going to get an extra tenth of a point of war if you are wearing sweatbands that have your caricature your jersey number or a mcdonald's uh, golden arches on there we're going to give you an extra tenth of a point of war. If you're wearing real stirrups that we can see, you get an extra tenth of a point of war. But if you're wearing the two-in-ones, that's going to be a minus because that is not what we like. We like real stirrups. And uh, if you happen to be wearing high tops and uh, two-in-one stirrups, we're going to probably just kick you out of the league. That's not a good luck. Finally, if uh, you are now a Hall of Famer, you're going to get a whole extra point of war because you're in the Hall of Fame. So uh, that's that's very good. So, all right, Mark. So we're going to go ahead. We're going to open up your pack here first. You've chosen the one with the cub that I I want to say it's like Dwight Smith, but I, I can never really tell. And uh, this is a, a good start for you right here because you're starting off with the Hall of Famer. Here he is pictured uh, with his uh, Oakland A's uniform on, which is always good. He was on the A's for two years. It is uh, your favorite Hall of Famer. It is Harold Baines. Harold Baines. You know what? I, I got to say, um, I've been looking over his numbers and I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not as upset that he's in the hall of fame. He, you know, I, 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 I got to take that down a notch because he, he was a very dangerous hitter in his day. He was. And you know what? I, I, not everybody can be Nolan Ryan or Ricky Henderson in the hall of fame. There are good right. players that deserve to be in the hall of fame that are not top tier hall of famers. Otherwise, the Hall of Fame would have like 30 people in it. So, <laughs> and I like you. I like right. Harold Baines. You know, whether or not, I, we're, it's not us to judge. We're here. All, the only way we're judging Harold Baines is on his 0. 0.6 war for the season, 
which was not great. <laughs> That's right. But he's got a mustache because he's got that beard. Uh, but he's got two-and-ones on, so that's a wipe out there. But he is a Hall of Famer, so that's going to start you off at 1.6. So that's much better than you started last week. Yeah. Uh, all right, next you get a catcher. You got Fruit Loops. Who, uh, came up with, yeah, who came up with the A's, which is cool. So uh, let's see what uh, old Mickey did in uh, 1992. I'll tell you what he did. He walked a lot. That's what Mickey Tettleton did. Well, 1992, he won a silver slugger. He walked 122 times to lead the league. So he walked more than Ricky Henderson did in 1992. Amazing. All of that equates to a 5.0 war. Wow. Wow. That's, yeah, that's impressive. Uh, Let's see, looking at this card, I, oh, I can tell he's got, he's a catcher. He's got real stirrups on. Uh, Nothing else there, though, is going to get you any points. But uh, so that'll be a 5.1 car. That's a really nice card for you from uh, Fruit Loops there. Fantastic. Yeah. All right. Next, let's go to uh, Atlanta. This guy, first baseman, left-handed hitter, slowest guy on any team he was ever on. It is Sid Bream. Uh, You got to like Sid, though. Sid, of course, uh, so slow, but still managed to beat out the throw at home against the Pirates and the NLCS. Uh, I forget what year that was. Uh, it must have been, was that 90? Or no, it must have been 91. Either 91 or 92. I think it was 91, I want to say. Let's see, Sid Bream in 1992 had a war of 1.0 as he was winding down his career. He does have, uh, I believe that's a mustache. Yeah, he's got a mustache. Good mustache. I'm not sure it's a two-pointer, but it's a good mustache. Uh, but he does have the two-in-ones. So that is going to be a wash there. Uh, so his war of 1.0 is all you're going to get there. That'll bring you up to 7.7. Few cards it's better there. than the sharp stick in the eye. Yeah. All right, next we've got uh, from uh, one of your buddies, Pete O'Brien, first baseman with the Seattle Mariners. Pete O'Brien was the first, quote-unquote, big name free agents free agent that the uh, Mariners signed. Well, and he, uh, did, he didn't do so well. Yeah, well, I've got good news and bad news for you. First of all, he's got some big old glasses that he's sporting, uh, but he's also sporting some two and ones. <laughs> yes, so that's doesn't help you out. Oh, come on! In a, a very Sid Bream-like year, though, uh, he did end up with a one point zero WAR for this year. So I'll take it. Uh, yeah, steady, steadily onward. Okay, next we have got a. Wow, maybe this is the cub that is on the front of your uh, of your pack. It very well might be because it's a lefty. Uh, it is none other than Sed Landrum. Wow, I have no idea who that yeah, is. Yeah, Se- I know Tito Landrum. Uh, right. I do not know Sed Landrum though. So Sed played for two years. Uh, you'll love this. He played in '91 and '93. So you're going not, to not get, well, you're not going to get any war from him, but you are, uh, he does have a mustache. So you're going to get a tenth of a point of war just uh, for having that mustache. But uh, yeah, not much. He played for the Cubs one year and then the Mets in 93 and uh, never really did anything, obviously. Next, we're going to go to a rookie, pro- oh, said was a rookie prospect too, as is this Pitcher for the Yankees, it's Scott Kamenicki. I remember Kamenicki. He wasn't a Yankee his whole career, though, I don't think. 
Uh, so Kim and Nicky came up with the Yankees. He played in Baltimore and then finished with a year split between Cleveland and Atlanta in 2000. In 92, he went 6-14. and 14. Uh, Yankees, uh, I don't think they were that good that year. I'm just gonna I'm gonna go out on a on a limb there. That equates to a war of 1.2 still. Well, it's positive. Yeah, nothing else on that card's gonna get you anything. So you'll get a 1.2 there. That'll bring you up to a even 10. Next, we go to somebody that reminds me of said Landrum. It's another rookie prospect, lefty for the Red Sox, Kevin Morton. Yeah, you got me on that one too. No yeah. clue. Well. Uh, Kevin Morton played one year in the big leagues, and that would have been in 1991. So again, uh, he did not play in the year that we are looking for. He does have real stirrups on, though. So uh, (laughs) you will get a tenth of a point there for somebody that never put on a Red Sox uniform in the year of 1992. And your final rookie prospect here, boy, Score did an awful job of... uh, naming people rookie prospects this year. It is Bucks third baseman Joe Redfield. Well, that's three in a row that I don't know anything about. (laughs) Joe Redfield, again, played two years in the big leagues, uh, one of which was not 1992. (laughs) These rookie prospects. But how about this for you? He's got flip downs and real real stirrups. So you continue to, to get points here two tenths of a point there he came up with the angels in 88 appeared in one game and then in 91 he appeared in 11 games for the bucks uh had two hits in his entire career which is two more than we've had but yeah all right next we've got a lefty for the yankees we've talked about him before lee guterman oh yeah lee guterman was a mariner for a while too i think lee guterman played for everybody at one point Good point, yeah. He was in the league for 11 years. Yeah, he finished up in Seattle. Oh, he came up with Seattle. Spent Started with years Seattle, there, too, yeah. And then finished in 95 and 96 with Seattle. Uh, 1992, he was with the Yankees, and he racked up a minus .9 war. So, Thanks, Lee. Ouch. Uh, he does have a mustache, so we're just going to take away .8 there. But that's your first negative. Uh, that'll put you at 9.5. Yeah. Next, we've got a pitcher for the Orioles. He's got some definite real stirrups going on there. It's Roy Smith. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Roy Smith. Wow. Roy Smith actually was in the league for eight years. Again, though, did not play in 1992. He retired, or at least never made <laughs> it back to the big leagues after 1991. What in the world? But, you know, again, he's got real stirrups, so you're going to get a tenth of a point. Uh, 1992, he appears to have been injured. He appeared in 93 in the minors for uh, a little bit of time, but uh, 0.1 for you there. Next, you have got a pitcher. All right, this one is somebody we know from the Royals. It is none other than Storm Davis. Storm Davis, who pitched for your A's for a while. He did. Full name, George Earl Davis. I don't know how he... Came across the nickname Storm. I'm sure we could look it up. Maybe maybe we'll throw that in BP next week. Okay. 13 years in the big leagues. Uh, 92, he spent in Baltimore. Went 7-3. and three. Not, a, 
not a bad year. Let's see, was he starting at that point? No, he was mainly coming out of the, the bullpen at that point. All that equates to a war of 1.4, um, but he does have some 2 and 1, so that'll be a plus 1.3 for you. Uh, let's see, Did I want to say Storm had one really good year. Yeah, he, uh, he had a couple of years, 88 and 89, I think. Yeah, 88 with Oakland, 16 and 7, then 89, 19 and 7. Yeah. So yeah, I'd call that pretty good in a two-time World Series winner. All right, next, yep. I, re I remember this guy. He, I think he had theoretical power more than he actually produced. Here he is with uh, the Mets. He's listed as a center fielder. It's Daryl Boston. Okay. Um, I do remember Daryl Boston. Uh, he was a pretty quick dude with uh, good defense in the outfield. Yeah, I remember him with the White Sox where he spent most of his career. You're right. He did have, uh, he had one, two, three, four, five years with double figures in stolen bases. He had one, two, three, four, five, six years with double figures in home runs. In 1992, he did spend it with the Mets. He played all three outfield positions and had a slash of 249, 338, and 426. And that equates to a war of 0 0.5. He does have a mustache, uh, but he does also have two and ones. So you're just going to get the, uh, what did I say, 0.5 there. Yeah. All right, next. Oh, this is a good guy in a nice uh, Expos uniform. It's Marquise Grissom. Oh, man, one of the fastest guys I've ever seen. Marquise Grissom. Let's see. Marquise Dion Grissom. He was, he's very French, but he was uh, not born. He was born in the U.S. Uh, as far as, yep, yeah, and in, he was born in Atlanta. I didn't know that. Of course, he played for the Braves for two years, 95 and 96. In 1992, he was with Montreal, led the league in stolen bases with 78. Had 76 nice. the year before to lead the league that year as well. All of this equates to a war of 5.5. Very nice. He's got exactly. real stirrups on, and he has got a mustache. So that's five point seven card for you. Very nice. Appreciate that. Uh, you know we were running a little slow, and Marquise has always been someone to catch you up. Four-time Gold Glove Award winner, nineteen ninety-five World Series, and the ALCS MVP, nineteen ninety-seven ALCS MVP. All right. Okay. Next, uh, we'll stay north of the border. Uh, pitching dynasty, Todd Stallemeyer. Yeah, I don't know if he played. He played for a while. Yep, um, yeah, but he he's, sure did. He's a he's uh, the Stottlemyers are all amazing coaches. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, uh, Todd, I think played more than. Uh, well, yeah, well, he, he played, played for, for fourteen. A, he played for fourteen okay. years. Yeah, he played there you for go. A good amount of time. Uh, most of it was with Toronto. I remember a year in Oakland. He went fourteen and seven, and I thought he I thought he pitched for the Mariners at one point, but he did not. I think he was a coach there, though. I, I just remember him, unless I'm thinking of another Stottlemyre that pitched for the Mariners. Brother of Mel was maybe Mel Stottlemyre Jr. Nope, I don't know who I'm thinking of. Uh, 1992, though, he was on the uh, Blue Jays. He went 12 and 11 with a 4.5 ERA, and that equates to a war of 0.1. Uh, 
unfortunately, he's got two and one, so that is a complete wash for Mr. Stormeyer. Uh, you've got two cards left. You are sitting at 17.1. Next, we'll go lefty for the Bucks, Randy Tomlin. Oh, wow. Randy Tomlin was a lefty starter reliever. Had a pretty good arm and had a, a decent run, I think. So he pitched for five years, all of them with the Bucks. 92 yeah. was by far his best season. He went 14-9 and with the 3.4 ERA, uh, started 33 games. Had a really good year. You should probably score pretty well here. Oh, it equates to a 2.0 war. He does have real stirrups, though, so that'll get you a 2.1. Heading into your final card. This is a low score for you, 19.2. We've been averaging about 30 here per pack, but... Uh, your final card is one of our favorite two players to ever hail from Jamaica in the big leagues, along with Devon White. It is Chili Davis. Chili Davis, uh, was he with the Giants? Uh, well, he's uh, on the, the twins here in this card. Uh, let's okay. see. In 1992, he did spend the whole year with the twins. Uh, slash 288, 386, and 439, so not too bad there. And that equates... He had a lot of home runs career-wise. Yeah, career-wise, he ended up hitting 350. Yeah, not bad. 1992, this all equates to a 2.0 war. He has got... Boy, that's those do not look like real stirrups, but I'm having a hard time. I'm going to say those are real. I'm going to give it to you. Plus, he's got a mustache, so that'll get you a 2.2 on that. Just the stirrups and the mustache are all the extra points you're going to get there. So that'll give you a final score of 21.4. I want to say is beatable, but uh, these are scorecards, so maybe they just didn't put in good. Yeah, points. well, whooped up on me last week and the week before, I believe, so I, I, I don't know if 21 is going to hold up. All right. I'm in a little bit of a rut. Yeah, well, let's jump right into it here. I am going to start off with a pitcher for the Dodgers. I remember him mainly from the uh, from his time with Pittsburgh. It is Jim Gott. Oh, I remember Jim Gott. Sure. I think he had a yeah, son. Yeah, I remember him as a pirate. Uh, I thought he had a son or somebody that also pitched, but uh, Baseball Reference says no, nobody. 1992, though, he was with the Dodgers. Uh, always a real, well, he was a starter early in his career. At this point, he's 32 years old, and he's coming out of the pen. Not a bad year, 3-3 three and three with a 2.45 ERA. All of that equates to a war of 2.5. I'll take it. Wow. Yeah, for a reliever. Yeah, no kidding. What's I'm, up with that? I'm down with that. All right, next we have got uh, a rather unique character. It is, uh, I think everybody's going to think of him as a New York Met uh, from the 86 team. But here he is with the Phillies. It's Wally Backman. Oh, man. Yeah, I remember him as a Met. Yeah, I think he mainly played second for the Mets, but here he was uh, taking over for Rick Shue at third base. Uh, 1992, uh, his final year, you know, his final year was 93 in, uh, in Seattle. Do not remember Backman being in Seattle. Uh, well, you know what? He, he managed to post a better than a replacement level year this year. Point two. But Point he, two, I'll take it. He does have... Oh, wait, it's your turn. Oh, yeah, this, this is me. Uh, point two, Sorry. he does have uh, two and ones on, though, so that's only going to get me a point one. Come on, Wally. Next uh, reliever for the Rangers, a lefty Mike Jeffcoat. I believe we've had. I, I remember the name, yeah. A couple of times. 
Uh, let's see what uh, Mr. Jeff Cope did. 1992, uh, did not pitch a whole lot. Only appeared in six games with a 7.32 ERA. So not expecting Ooh, a lot here. Minus 0.5. Oh. Plus he's got two and ones. So, what a jerk. <laughs> so that is going to be a minus 0.6. That'll bump me down to an even two. Next, we got a guy that pitched for quite a while. Here he is with the Dodgers. I remember him also with the Cubs, Mike Morgan. Yeah. He didn't pitch for the A's? I believe he did. Uh, he came up with the A's. Yeah, I remember this one. Okay. We had him last. Came up in 78 as an 18-year-old with Oakland. He ended up pitching for 22 years. Oh. So in 1992, he still had 10 years left in his career. He actually was with the Cubs in 92. He's shown here with the Dodgers. He went 16-8 and eight with a 2.55 ERA as a starter. So I'm expecting some... That's impressive. Let's see. His war this year was 5.4. Uh, he does have 2-1, and one, so that'll only get me a 5.3. But, but between uh, he and Gott, I've had... The, they've been my whole score. Yeah. All right, now this is cool. This is a score all-star card. And what this is, is this is a real picture, but it's got a hand-drawn player on it. So it this is definitely from spring training. You can see actual people. And then there is a caricature of Mr. Ruben Sierra and his really cool batting stance. Ruben was awesome. Ruben, Ruben can hit anything that came anywhere near the plate and some things that didn't. Yeah, so let's see. Ruben Sierra... In 1992, he must have just left the A's or he was going to be traded mid-season to the A's is what happened. Let's see, numbers-wise, 1992, he ended up with 17 home runs. So let's see what that equates to here. That comes out to a 2.4 war. He has a mustache. I'm not going to make judgment on the stirrups because this is a caricature. So I'm just going to stick with the uh, the mustache for a 2.5. That'll bring me up to 9.8. Wow, back-to-back All-Star cards. Next, it's a Hall of Famer. It's Wade Boggs. Oh, one of the great hitters of all time. Good old chicken man. Let's see. Wade Boggs, of course, a Hall of Famer, so that'll help right off the bat. 1992 was his final year with the Red Sox. Uh, kind of a paltry, get it? Paltry. 2.5, uh, 2.59. Uh, hit 259. Really? Oh, that's really? his worst year. In fact, the only year in his career up to that point where he did not hit 300 or better. And the <laughs> only year until he was 39 in 1997 where he didn't hit 300, but he hit 292 that year. In 1998 with Tampa Bay, he hit 280, which was his, uh, you know, this was his worst year in baseball. <laughs> yeah. Um, he did lead the league with intentional walks, though. He led the league one, two, six years in a row in intentional walks from 86 to wow. 92. Uh, still equates to a 2.2 war. He's a Hall of Famer, so that's 3.2, and he's got a mustache, so that's 3.3, and I will disregard the stirrups because it is a drawing. Next, I, I'm on a run here of all-star cards. It is Big Cess, Cecil Fielder with the Tigers. Cecil, 
Cecil, a guy that went to Japan, became a star, came back here, and his story rose even more. Yeah, Big Daddy in 1992 led the league in RBIs with 124, got some MVP votes, and uh, you know, kind of had a normal Cecil year. That equates to a 2.8 war, uh, and he's got a mustache, but it's a caricature, so I'm not going to again do stirrups. So that'll be a 2. Point, when I say 2.8 plus a mustache, that'll be a 2.9. That brings me up to 16 even. Uh, five behind you with about half the pack left. Oh, I'm boy. feeling good. All I'm right. struggling lately. Next, here comes catcher for the Rangers, Jeff, or I'm sorry, John Russell. Jeff Russell would have been the pitcher with the Rangers, but this is John Russell. John Russell, I kind of remember. Who was he playing with? Here he is with the Rangers. He was a catcher. Spent a couple of years there, a couple of years in Philadelphia as well. 1992, he only appeared in seven games, though, so I'm not expecting much. Equates to war of minus 0.2, and uh, he has got, he's got some real stirrups on, so that'll only be a minus 0.1 because he's a catcher. Uh-oh, this is uh, not a good look. So <laughs> remember your pack? <laughs> yeah. All right. Here we go with Lee Guterman <laughs> with the Yankees. Oh, man. Yeah, we're going to do this again. Uh, so let's uh, just, we can go through this quickly. They're, it's not going to be the entire rest of the pack, but this is a duplicate run of some of your players. So Lee Guterman in uh, 1992 came up with a minus 0.9. He has the mustache, so that's a minus 0.8. I was feeling good, and now... Not as much. Well, you know. Then we we go to Roy Smith of the of the Orioles. You're better than this score. This is embarrassing. Roy Smith again <laughs> uh, did not play in 1992, but he's got real stirrups, so I'll get a tenth of a point. Then we go to Storm Davis. We talked about, of course, his time in Oakland in uh, 1992. He had a pretty good year, a 1.4, but uh, he does have uh, two and one, so that's 1.3. Then we go Daryl Boston. <laughs> this is the last of it. After this, we we get to some different <laughs> uh, different cards. Uh, let's see. When I say Daryl Boston in 1992, we decided he had a war of 0.5. He's got a mustache, but he's got two and ones. So that is uh, just going to get me a 0.5. So that brings me back up to 17 even with uh, I've got three or four cards left, and these are different than yours. So first, okay. I got my second it's Hall a of battle. Yeah, my second Hall of Famer. It is one of the pudges. It is the curmudgeonly one, though. Mr. Fisk. That is right. Carlton Fisk here with the White Sox. Let's see. I uh, can't see his stirrups because he's got his catcher's gear on. Uh, I'm not going to get anything extra except for the Hall of Fame uh, induction. He was 44 at this point. So I'm not wow. expecting a whole lot. Let's see. That uh, war of 0.4, but he is a Hall of Famer, so that'll get me a 1.4. That brings me up to 18.4. Wow, I'm struggling now. I've got three cards left. It's going to be close. Uh, this guy, wow, this guy was fun to watch pitch for the Yankees. I remember Pasquale Perez. 
Let's go for it, sure. Wasn't he, like, really thin? Very thin. Uh, I yeah. believe he played in that uh, pretty important part in that uh, Braves-Padres uh, debacle, that brawl that lasted an entire game. Uh, yes. I also believe Pasquale Perez missed a start with Atlanta because he got lost on the freeway. Uh, he was on the perimeter in Atlanta and did not know how to get to Fulton County Stadium at that point. In his defense, there were no GPSs. No, there was not. So unfortunately, though, Perez uh, did not play it in 92. 91 was his last season. He does have some really stretchy real stirrups here, though. So that's just going to get me point one. Next, we've got a guy that uh, was fun to be around. I'll tell you that when he was with the Braves. Uh, I've told this before. Every third word was a swear word. Here he is, though, where he's best known with the White Sox. It is Ozzie Guillen. Oh, Ozzy, yeah, absolutely. Let's see. Ozzie Guillen was a Rookie of the Year in 1985. I think we've mentioned that before. Uh, 1992, he was injured most of the year, only appeared in 12 games, which sucks. He had some good years before and after it. All of that equates to only a war of 0.2. He's got a mustache and he's got real stirrups, though, so that'll be a 0.4. That'll bring me up to 18.9 with one card left. You had a 21.4, so I'm not sure oh. if the old man here is going to do it for me. Julio Franco, who was 52 at this point with the Texas Rangers. <laughs> Let's see what Julio can do for me. In 1992, he was actually 33 years old and was injured. He only appeared in 35 games. He won oh, the man. batting title the year before with a great season. 1992, he actually had a war of minus 0.3. Uh, he's got a wow. mustache, so really that's going to be a minus 0.2. But man, with with that score of 21.4, you've still managed to beat me. I only end up with an 18.7. Well, I, I got to say nothing. He most robust watch back heroes as far as no. as far as uh, points go. But, no. uh, you know, what can I say? I got back on the winning track. Yeah, I had two Hall of Famers, but still not, not good enough. So that will uh, move you up to 12 wins to my eight and inch you closer to that, uh, to back-to-back. You're trying to, you're trying to do what Joe Carter did. But uh, all right, then yeah. there you have it. Another uh, another episode of Wax Packs Heroes. So let's uh, wrap up the show now. First, we'd like to start by thanking everybody that tunes in every week. We sure appreciate it. If you want to rate, review us, uh, recommend us, retweet us, uh, any of that, we, we certainly do appreciate it. You can find us on the internets, on social media. We are at 2StrikeNoise. That is at TWOStrikeNoise on both Twitter and Instagram. Also, if you want to look in the show notes, we've got links to that, or you can search for us. We're also on YouTube. Just do a search for Two Strike Noise. Mark, we also get some emails via e well via the email account that you're going to tell us about. That's right. It's uh, Two Strike Noise at gmail.com. Spell out the two. T W O Strike Noise 
at gmail.com. Write to me. I'm a little bored. All right. Yes. Uh, we check that. We check uh, all our social media. We're on there quite a bit. So also, if you have got, if you can give us a card that beats that Tony Gwen card in terms of additional scoring for Wax Packs Heroes, I'll post it on Twitter and Instagram. Let us know if there is something that is going to beat that card. Again, just looking for those add-on scores. If there's something better, he's got two sweatbands with caricatures. He's got glasses on. He's got a mustache and what I believe are real stirrups. And he's a Hall of Famer. I don't think you can beat that, again, unless you've got two mustaches or four sweatbands. But uh, until then, we will see you again next week on another episode of Two Strike Noise. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great day. 